You can be seated. Okay. Okay, welcome to everyone this morning, once again. For the next three weeks, we're going to be in a series entitled, are we up there? Yes, Finding a Firm Faith in Days of Doubt and Despair. And you're probably like, man, Dan, that sounds kind of depressing. And you know, when I look at it, it really does sound depressing. But don't let the the title deceive you. We're going to have some fun with this. And you're probably going, fun with doubt and despair. We'll get to that. But right now, I just want to introduce this morning's series, or this morning's message, and it's defining the terms. And what we're going to do is, we're going to kind of split this up into a couple different ways. This morning, we're, we're going to look at faith itself. And we're going to ask the question, well, what exactly is faith? And how does that kind of manifest itself in our lives? Next week, we're going to look at the New Testament. Is faith in the New Testament reasonable? And we're going to look at kind of two different aspects to that. One is our faith in who and what the New Testament describes reasonable. Secondly, we're going to look at the faith of those described in the New Testament and see if that's reasonable. And then the third message that we'll do is what does it look like when the power of faith comes head-to-head with doubt and despair, both in the biblical narrative and in our own personal narratives? So that's kind of... Uh, a way of introduction in terms of this this study, but a lot of you know my background is is high school college ministry, and there are, are several things that I found to be consistent with young adults. First, they're thinking about big issues, and a lot of the times they're thinking about them in very deep ways. They're thinking about their Christian faith. What, what is it that I really believe about it? Do, do I believe all the claims that Christianity puts out there? And they're also thinking about, well, if these things are true, then how should that look in my life and in the life of those around me? And one of the, things, one of the reasons I think that, that young adults are uh, thinking about it in these terms is because their faith and the practical outworking of their faith is being challenged in intense ways these days. And I want to read a recent Barna study that is entitled, Six Reasons Young Christians Leave Church. Six Reasons Young Christians Leave Church. The Barna Group writes, No single reason dominated the breakup between church and young adults. Instead, a variety of reasons emerged. Overall, the research uncovered Six significant themes why nearly three out of every five Christians, practically 60%, three out of five young Christians, disconnect either permanently or for an extended period of time from church life after the age of 15. Reason number one, and these are in no particular order. Reason number one, churches seem overprotective. A few of the defining characteristics of today's teens and young adults are their unprecedented access to ideas and worldviews, as well as their prodigious consumption of popular culture. As Christians, they express the desire for their faith in Christ to connect to the world they live in. However, much of their experience of Christianity feels stifling, 
fear-based and risk-averse. Another consistent thing I found with, with young adults as I worked with them is when, as they progress through high school and into college, when they leave the home, they have their parents' faith. If you will, they don't own their faith. And that seemed to be consistent for a lot of the young people that I'm working with or that I have worked with. My mindset is teach them, train them, turn them loose. Uh, We heard a promise last week from Pastor Mike that Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. So that's one of the reasons they found uh, for this phenomenon. Reason number six, again, not in any particular order, the church feels unfriendly to those who doubt. Young adults with Christian experience say the church is not a place that allows them to express doubts. They do not feel safe admitting that sometimes Christianity does not make sense. In addition, many feel the church's response to doubt is trivial. Some of the perceptions in this <clears throat> some of the perceptions in this regard include not being able to quote ask my most pressing life questions in church unquote and having quote, significant intellectual doubts about my faith, close quote. In a related theme of how churches struggle to help young adults who feel marginalized, about one out of every six young adults with a Christian background said their faith does not help with depression or other emotional problems they experience. Those are staggering statistics in, in, in my mind. But another thing one thing that I've found in my own research is it's not just high schoolers and college-age students that, that wrestle with these things. It's also adults. We all kind of struggle with this at times. And if you look, look into the scriptures, even those um, disciples in, in Jesus' inner circle struggled with doubt and despair at times. Their faith was challenged. And we'll see that as we progress in our study. So keeping all these things in mind, what we just looked at these stats let's look at our verse our passage for this morning if you could turn your bibles to first peter three fifteen. peter writes but in your hearts honor christ the lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Okay, here's my question. In light of this, these statistics, how do we do that? We want to try to connect these two and, and see how we can work through this problem. In light of these stats, how do young people, and, and ourselves included, how do we do that? Well, I want to break this verse down a little bit and start with a few key words. The first is hope. And if you, if you see in that verse, I've got the uh, word hope uh, in bold type. What is our hope? Ultimately, our hope is unending life after death in a resurrection body in the presence of God. That's our hope. But what is our hope anchored upon? Our hope is anchored upon five foundational truths that we take by faith, five foundational events in the Christian life, and we'll go through these. One, the life of Christ. The life of Christ is, is the first uh, foundational 
truth that, uh, that we accept by faith. We hold that Jesus was a literal historical figure. Secondly, the teachings of Christ. Christ taught profound things about himself and his mission in the world. Third, it's the death of Christ. By faith, we hold that Jesus died the death that he said he would. Fourth, it's the burial of Jesus Christ. By, by faith, we hold that Jesus' lifeless body was placed in a burial tomb. And fifth, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By faith, we hold that three days after Jesus was buried, the tomb was empty. So our hope is anchored on these foundational truths that we accept by faith. These historical events, as we'll find out, is what anchors our hope. If even one of these is not true, we have no hope. I want to repeat that. If even one of these is not true, we have no hope. So do you see how big this becomes all of a sudden? Um, it's, it's huge. I remember when um, I went to a conference uh, not long ago. Josh McDowell was speaking, and he has kind of a, a very strong personality anyway. He came onto the audience with a microphone, and he started asking people, are you a Christian? Yes. Do you believe in the Bible? Yes. Do you believe what the Bible says? Yes. All these questions going down kind of the list. And then he paused for a moment, and then he said, why? He did that over and over and over again, and it was stunning. And I was, I was hoping that he was not going to come up to me because I, I would have been tongue-tied. But over and over again, we, I, you just didn't hear answers pertaining to our, our verse this morning. What is the reason that we can give for the hope that was in it, that, that's in us. And it's not, it's not so much what we believe, but it's why we believe what we believe. And this all comes down to faith. All these things come down to a matter of faith. And our hope is grounded in these events that, that we hold by faith occurred. So the question is, what is faith? And we're going to look at that and try to define it this morning. And I want to start by showing you this guy. And I've never seen his head that big before. <laughs> wow. Um, this is a man, you, some of you may know this guy, not, maybe not personally, but know of him. His name's Richard Dawkins. He's an evol- evolutionary biologist at Oxford. He's a very, very uh, popular cultural personality, culture, uh, or personality and culture. Uh, he wrote a book called the God Delusion. Uh, it sold over 2 million copies. It's translated into over 31 languages. You may recognize him also from the documentary Expelled. Has anyone seen Expelled in here? Ben Stein? Okay, yeah, so he was, in, he was kind of a primary figure in, in, that, um, in that documentary. This is one of the guys that, that is driving cultural thought, cultural ideas. Um, he has a, a tremendous influence in culture. And let's see how he defines faith. If you ask people why they are convinced of the truth of their religion, they don't appeal to heredity. In other words, they don't say, well, because my parents were whatever, uh, Methodist or Catholic, then I'm Methodist or Catholic. That's what he means by that. Put like that, it sounds too obviously stupid. 
nor do they appeal to evidence. There isn't any. And nowadays, the better, better educated admit it. No, they appeal to faith. Faith is the great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Faith is belief in spite of, even perhaps because of, the lack of evidence. So there's how one of the most uh, popular cultural icons, so to speak, is defining faith for us. Another person I want to highlight is a guy named Steven Pinker. You may recognize that name, too. He uh, is a a psychologist at Harvard University, very influential. He just came out with a book recently called The Better Angels of Our Nature. I don't know if anyone's heard of it in here. But this is what Bill Gates said about this book. It's one of the most important books he's read, not just this year, but ever. He called it important. He called it an important contribution, not just to historical scholarship, but to the world. So here's another very influential person. And look how he defines faith. It might be a little hard to read. Um, The juxtaposition of the two words makes it sound like faith and reason are parallel and equivalent ways of knowing. And we have to help students navigate between them. We have to help students navigate between them. But universities are about reason. Pure and simple. Faith, in his, his definition, believing something without good reasons to do so, has no place in anything but a religious institution. And our society has no shortage of these. Here's a popular dictionary, Collins English Dictionary. Uh, pulled, I just pulled up faith on uh, a search and this is how it's defined in, in the dictionary. Strong or unshakable belief in something, especially without proof or evidence. So you kind of see how the definition of faith is kind of in our culture now and, and how it's defined. So is that true, first of all? If it's not, well, how do we respond to that? I don't think it's true. And here's how I respond to it. In the most intellectual sophisticated way I can because we're dealing with, with some very uh, intellectual people. So we're going to play the game that's sweeping the nation, what's in a can? And that we'll have a little audience participation here too. And I'm, I'm just going to ask, I'm just going to throw this out there. Do we know what's in this can? Okay, no. All right. Let me ask this one. Do we know what's in this can? No, <laughs> that was quick. Uh, just a show of hands. Who says, no, we don't? Who says, yes, we do? Okay. All right, all right. Well, I'm, I threw a curveball to all you, you yes, yes people out there. We don't know what's in this can. We don't know what's in this can. But let me ask it this way. Do we believe we know what's in this can? Okay, we believe we know. We don't know. It's totally closed, closed off. We can't see inside of it, so we don't know. But if we, if we phrase it like this, do we believe we know what's in this can? Then we say yes. Okay, do we know why we believe we know what's in this can? Okay, yes. Why, why is that? Exactly. There's some nonsense we're not going to go through. Yeah, um, is there anything about this can that we can rely upon giving us reason to believe that it's true there's Wolfram Chili inside. And I, I heard a lot of people out there say label. Exactly. Well, what's on the label? We have a picture. 
We have a company logo. We have a description of what's in here. We have a list of ingredients, nutritional facts. We have a website you can go to and visit and check it all out. Recommendations for use. Eyewitness testimony. Say you're in the store, you're on the Kangood aisle, you're checking this out, and all of a sudden someone comes up, man, I get that stuff all the time. Every time I buy it, there's chili inside. You know? <laughs> so we have that as well. And then we have reputation. You know? Um, so there are a lot of things that we can take off this label that, uh, that makes us believe that, that we know what's in here. And this comes down to the true definition of faith, which is, and I've got this in your, in your inserts here, the reliance upon that which you have reason to believe is true and trustworthy. The reliance upon that which you have reason to believe is true and trustworthy. That's faith. And that comes from a, um, a guy by the name of uh, J.P. Moreland. You, you guys may be familiar with, with that name. That's faith. Why don't we look back at the definitions of Richard Dawkins and Stephen Pinker. Again, faith is the great cop-out. Um, again, and even before that, nor do they appeal to evidence. Well, we just learned that faith does appeal to evidence. Faith is the great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think. Faith is the opportunity to exercise the need to think. Faith is belief in spite of, even perhaps, of the lack, the lack of evidence. Faith is belief because of evidence. We've just demonstrated that with a can of Wolf Brand Chili. Um, Steven Pinker, again, faith, believing something without good reasons to do so. Faith is believing with good reasons to do so. Another thing is when he says we need to help navigate students between faith and reason. No, faith, faith and reason are inexorably linked. So there's no navigating between them because they're combined. So again, what I think I'm going to do, well, actually, let's just look at at Richard Dawkins and Stephen Pinker's definition of faith. By their definition of faith, if, if you guys are hank, have a hankering for Wolf Brand, Brand Chili and you walk into the store, you're going to get this can. That's the faith they're describing. Okay? But the faith that, that we experience that, that's true goes in by this can. Okay? So I'm going to start a campaign. I'm going to visit all the grocery stores, and I'm going to go to their Kangood Isle, and we're going to rename the Kangood Isle the Isle of Faith. Can I have some reverb on that, Chris? The Isle of Faith, 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 faith. Because that's, that's what it is. That's what we're, we're, we're looking at here. Faith is the reliance upon that which you have reason to believe is true and trustworthy. And as we kind of progress through this, uh, this study, those events that we, lay, that, that we highlighted as the five foundational truths that we believe take by faith, it's, that definition is, beca- is going to become incredibly important. And next week what we're going to do is we're going to take that definition and kind of insert it into the New Testament. Um, and as a part of our um, outreach initiative here at the Brook, I'd like to recommend a couple things to us. First, Kroger evangelism, or maybe Walmart witnessing. 
I mean, just think of, it's totally off the wall, but just say you go into a store, someone's in the can good aisle, and you go up to them and you go, hey, do you know what's in that can? I mean, think of the conversation that could start just by that. Or, or take someone that you know that maybe is doubting Christianity or doubting the existence of God, doubting or whatever, or just take them shopping and go to the can good aisle. Pick something up. Hey, do you know what's in that can? And just see how the conversation progresses. I know it's a little off the wall, but God works in mysterious ways, right? So let's look at faith as, as it's been defined in, in our culture, as it's being defined and promoted in our culture. Faith, strong or unshakable belief in something, especially without proof, especially without proof or evidence. Let's look at the, the true definition of faith. The reliance upon that which you have reason to believe is true and trustworthy. And then let's look at the biblical defini- definition of faith. God in his scripture says, yeah, I know. I know all that. God designed it that way for us. The biblical definition of faith just fits hand in glove with with what we truly experience with our faith is how we've defined it this morning. Now faith, from Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. It, it fits precisely in with how we've defined it. The reliance upon that which you have reason to believe is true and trustworthy. Over and over again, <clears throat> the Bible describes our experiences and it includes faith. It goes hand in hand. <clears throat> Excuse me. What we're driving for in, in this series is a faith that is strengthened. We want a strong faith. We, we read in, in 1 Thessalonians, when Paul, when Paul introduces in the introduction of the letter, he basically tells the Thessalonians, you guys, your faith is known throughout the world. I mean, you are just out there. You're declaring it. You're living it. And everybody knows about your faith. That's what we want to do here. Sometimes in our culture, we get so pressed down with the way things are defined anymore and the way that's carried through our culture. But I I want us to take away from this series a a faith that is strengthened. Um, I want us to... uh, grow as a result of that maybe in a way of of realizing the truths that are contained in the scripture those five foundations that we're going to study next week maybe experience those truths in a new way that's just energizing and as a result we grow to love god more and we grow to love our neighbor more faith is is so foundational to this to our lives but we want to understand what it is how it's defined We don't want to let culture define it for us. And then all of a sudden, that's the norm. We have a different model of faith. We have a different definition of faith that God has given us. And again, it fits right into our experience. So next week, what we're going to do, like I said, is we're going to take that definition of faith and we're going to kind of insert it into the New Testament. We're going to look at <clears throat> some things where we'll answer the question, hey, is it, is it really reasonable to believe in these things that, that the Bible uh, proclaims and that the Christian truth proclaims? And then we'll look at um, 
one particular character in, in the biblical narrative and see uh, how his faith um, <clears throat> excuse me, was reasonable. Um, so next week we'll do that. And I want to thank you uh, for, for tuning into this. And can we all just stand and we'll have a closing word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, God, it is truly awesome to, uh, to see things as they really are. Lord, we, we see your, um, your definition of faith in, in the word. Um, and we rejoice, God, because it truly fits our experience, God. We, we pray, Lord, that uh, we might latch onto this and we might come to, uh, to know it and to live it. Father, do amazing things um, in us. Through this, help our, our faith to be strengthened. Help us to be more bold as we witness, Father, uh, to others and speak of the glorious gospel that saves. Father, please uh, do that for us. Do that in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.